In the White House cabinet room last week, President Donald Trump had convened a meeting with legislators about gun control. Dianne Feinstein, California's senior senator and a Democrat, was sitting on Trump's left, and when he suggested to her that a bill, quote, add what you have, Feinstein looked surprised and delighted. Since 2004, her signature issue has been reviving her original 1994 assault weapons ban. Is that what Trump intends? How could this figure into Feinstein's prospects for election to her fifth term in the Senate? The state's Democratic Party recently chose not to endorse her or her rival, a reflection of a party divided between moderates and progressives. Here's her reaction to that and to whether she thinks Trump can be the president to carry gun reform across the finish line. So, Senator, as you sat in that meeting with the president, what do you understand to be what it is he's supporting in terms of gun law changes? Diane, if you could add what you have also, and I think you can, into the bill. Joe, are you ready? Can you do that? Joe, can you do that, Pat? Can you add some of the things? You're not going to agree with me. If you help. Well, no, I'll help, but can you add what Amy and what Diane have? Can we add them in? Well, I think the most important thing was what I saw was an open mind to listen, A, and some receptivity to certain ideas. He said, you know, I think we should take the guns away before a court order or before the process. And uh, I think it was a bit difficult to sort out, but I made hope. Uh, We're 4% of the population and 40% of the arms in the world. And when you have military weapons that are used to go out and kill large numbers of people, uh, that's a whole different thing. And I felt he had some positive response to this. So that, and he even to some extent rebuffed the NRA. I don't need the NRA. You guys need the NRA, whatever it was. And I thought, let's see if this lasted. So I looked for tweets the next morning. I didn't find any. Uh, The day went by. Last night, I gather, he met with the NRA. And today, I guess there's equivocation um, although that's not well defined, and I'm I'm hopeful there isn't. I don't know how one can be proud of a nation where schools in five or six years have had two hundred shootings in them. That's the number since Sandy Hook, and four hundred children, some as young as six and seven and adults killed or wounded. And I thought after Sandy Hook that this would change it, that people would look at those faces of the six- and seven-year-olds and say, my God, what's happened to this country? We've got to stop it. But it didn't happen. Why didn't it happen? I don't know. I don't know. But now... My understanding is that uh, the Internet says that there are 300,000 teenagers that have come back that have signed up to march in the march back here. Now, if the culture is changing, 
and teenagers are going to stand up and say, we don't want schools like this. I think that's very profound. And I think young people, hopefully, will launch a movement that we've never seen in this country, which is marching and talking and holding rallies and convincing and becoming a political force for safety in the American elementary, middle, and high school. You've already seen things that have never happened, like um, Walmart saying they'll only sell guns to individuals age 21 and up. Dick's Sporting Goods will never will not sell assault weapons again, but will and will no longer sell high capacity magazines to anyone under 21. And you have Delta, United, Hertz, and MetLife saying they'll end partnerships to give NRA members preferred rates. But I think the National Rifle Association has been so effective in going up against people and putting lots of money into races that it's really a very intimidating factor for a lot of people. I have seen shotgun victims. I've walked into robberies. I've found a colleague's body dead I've um, from an assassination. I became mayor as a product of assassination. President of the Board of Supervisors, it's my duty to make this announcement. Both Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk have been shot and killed. And I've just seen what guns do. Other countries aren't like this. They just aren't. Well, Senator, in the context of that, then, let me ask you about President Trump, because it seems that going against the NRA requires almost a Nixon to China casting someone who has said in the past that he's an NRA supporter to stand up to the NRA. Do you yes. have do you have faith that he could be that Nixon to China president? Not at this time I don't. Um I mean I my eyes opened wide when I heard his openness and his support of certain things uh sitting there in the room and um I handed him a letter which he left on the table, outlining the strength of the assault weapons bill. And I gave it to Vice President Pence, who promised me that he would hand it to the president. And I have no idea whether he read it or not, but I had the distinct impression that he had an open mind. Generally now, we're seeing millennials and Gen Xers who are outvoting baby boomers. They did in 2016. So the Democratic electorate is changing. Certainly in California, it's moving to the left. And you saw that with the struggle over the non-endorsement of the Democratic Party here. Let me just say, I never expected to be endorsed. Um, what What we tried to do was prevent an endorsement from my opponent, and I think we succeeded there. But I never expected to be endorsed. And my strength, if I have a strength, is in the general population. I think there's a certain amount of pragmatism in the general uh, electorate. They listen. Uh, I think they want people who can solve problems. Um, I think I've shown that I can do that. 
I, I think the outstanding issue is health care. I am for a public option. I am for decreasing Medicaid to 50-year-olds. The problem with a public option is it costs way up in the trillions. Bernie had 12 taxes, new taxes, and it only got halfway through what it cost. Plus the fact it's the government running medicine. But I think having a public option for people to compete with the private sector is really a strong advance. I do want to ask you, Senator, about how California seems to be in the crosshairs for this administration. Um, The president at one point said he would withdraw ICE and California would turn into a crime nest. I mean, frankly, if I wanted to pull our people from California, you would have a crime nest like you've never seen in California. All I'd have to do is say, ICE and Border Patrol, let California alone. You'd be inundated. You would see crime like nobody's ever seen crime in this country. How do you think the president is looking at California? Well, I'd hesitate to speculate. I don't know how he looks at California. But I'll tell you this. We're the sixth largest economy on Earth. We've got the biggest ports, um, the largest consumer market in America, uh, all of high tech. We've got some of the best educational institutions in the world, the biggest university system. I mean, it's a powerhouse. So California is going to be fine. And, you know, the president has to understand what he's taking on. He's not taking on a tiny state. He's taking on a state that's as big as a country and bigger than most countries. So I, I, I think, you, you know, he ought to be more considerate of the impact of his words and I think it's pretty stupid to say, um, you know, I'm going to have law-abiding people picked up. Um, we welcome the gangbangers going. We, we make no case for the gangbangers. But people who have lived here for 20, 30 years have children that are American citizens, work and support themselves, own their homes, pay their taxes, should not be a priority for deportation. They should be the last resort. I believe you've heard complaints from the Central Valley or or elsewhere that people can't find folks to do the work that needs to be done. There is no question. We're the biggest agricultural producer in America. All of the employment comes from the undocumented. And I have tried with bills to provide a way to create a blue card for agricultural workers, which would enable them to legally continue to work ag. And if they worked ag for five years, they would get a green card, which then would enable them on a path to citizenship. It's tough work. With with that in mind, and with other things in mind, what message do the Democrats have for voters in 2018 beyond simply saying that we're not Donald Trump and we're not his policies? Well, we have what we are. We're, we're a thinking people, a problem-solving people. Some, some would say that would make us a progressive people, and we care. Um, we have a great state. 
Uh, we've got some problems, really big ones, water, climate change, whether we can sustain the state, clean up, housing for people. We've got a huge homeless issue, and the need, I mean, I think they have over 40,000 homeless in L.A., and several thousand in San Francisco and Oakland and it's a very we need to find ways to house people in an expensive environment much more cheaply but safely and soundly what's in the works in the senate about russian meddling in elections we're about to introduce a bill um on collusion and i think that what the russians are doing has got to be stopped so we've written a bill that will hold people responsible if they monkey around with the Internet to divide people, to mess with elections, that kind of thing. Criminally responsible? Well, this is civilly right now, uh, but it, it, it's a work in progress still. Senator Diane Feinstein, thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks again. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye, Pat. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's engineered by Tim French and edited by Rachel Laralde. The audio moments are from CNN and YouTube. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks and never miss a podcast.